So if you have a Bible, turn with me to the book of Hebrews. It's going to be at the very back of your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, there's Bibles on the ends of your row. Grab one of those. If you don't own a Bible, take that home with you. It's a gift from us to you. We think it's a pretty important book here, so we think everyone should have a copy. Uh, No problem looking it up on your phone if you want to do that. And if you can't find Hebrews, like I said, it's almost near the back. No shame in using the table of contents. I use it all the time. So, we come now to the beginning of the letter to the Hebrews, which we've said is really more of a sermon. A sermon by someone who loved the people in this church, who probably knew them intimately. Perhaps he helped start the church. Now, don't think of this church as some sort of a mega church. This church is actually a lot more like a fellowship group, a medium-sized community, maybe 25, 30 people meeting in a home, scared to death about what it means to be a Christian in their current context. Now, what we're going to talk about today is a little dirty word called communication. It's dirty because we suck at it. It ruins a lot of things, relationships, marriages. Why? Because communication is incredibly hard. Now, I've been married for three years, but it only took me three days to realize why communication is so hard. And why is it so hard? Because it's not only what you say, it's how you say it, yeah. You don't really have to be married to know that, but you learn it fast. <laughs> when you get home from the honeymoon and you begin to build your life together, it's not always or only what you say, but how you say it, right? Doesn't take long to figure that out. I mainly know this from my defeats, not my victories. But I'm trying as hard as I can in my marriage to communicate something to my wife. And I'm trying to communicate to her what? How much I love her. I want her to know that I deeply love her. Not just love things about her, what she looks like, that she's smart, that she's sweet. But I love her deep down to her core. I love Allie. And I want to communicate that to her in any and every way that I possibly can. If you're thinking about marriage or you want to get married or you are married, let me tell you something. You've heard of the five love languages, right? Just a little inside tip here. Your wife or your wife-to-be, you got to love her. In all five love languages. Yeah, she might have one or two that she prefers, but she needs them all. You got to do it all. I mean, I'm trying to tell my wife that I love her by sending her text messages as often as I can. Honey, I love you. I try to say it as often as I can. I try to do acts of service. I try to buy her gifts whenever I can. Maybe small little gifts, big gifts. I don't know. You want to buy those jeans? You buy those jeans. I want to love her in every way that I can. I'm trying to give her quality time. Now here, don't go tell my wife, hey, is Dave really good at this? I am not good at this. Like I said, defeats teach you a lot more than victories. (laughs) But if you're married or you want to get married, you got to love your wife 
in all five love languages and probably figure out two or three others that aren't in the book, okay? <laughs> I want my wife to know that I love her. I want it more than anything, but it's hard, right? Communicating is hard. So, what do we do when communication is hard? We can do one of two things. We can give up and we can say, you know what, we'll never communicate. Let's just figure out a way to coexist. Or we can work at it and get better at it and never give up. Now, I'm also trying to communicate things to us as a community, as a church. And in the same way, it's not just what I say, it's also what I do and, and what I hope all of us do when we're trying to communicate what are we about, about as a community, right? So now I can tell you all the, uh, as many times as I want that to be a leader in the kingdom of God means to be first a servant. But I can say it 150 times and it won't be true, it won't be communicated if I don't also live it out. So I don't know if you know this, and I'm not bragging about myself. I always bring a clean pair of socks and a clean shirt when I come to church because I sweat getting this place ready. I don't want to be sitting up on a high horse just pointing at things, telling people what to do. I want to lead by serving. So I'm trying to communicate, and we need to communicate in many ways and at many times the things that are valuable to us. So if you want to be a leader in this community, start by serving. That's what we're trying to communicate. Why? Because Christ was the ultimate servant leader. We have this communication problem in our society as well, right? We have this problem, social media, FaceTime, photo sharing. So we think in many ways that we're communicating better than ever, right? But I think all of us realize that something's broken about this communication style. And, you know, studies will show that we are some of the loneliest people in human history. But wait, everybody knows what's going on. But is that really communication? Uh, George Bernard Shaw has a great quote about communication. He says this, The single biggest problem in communication is the illusion that it has taken place. The illusion that it has taken place. And I think in our society, particularly in the generation that most of us find ourselves in here, we have an illusion of communication, but not the actual thing. Why? Because communication is hard. It takes work. It takes perseverance. And many times and in many ways, we need to communicate and we have to sacrifice in order to communicate best. And I think we all realize this, right? Face-to-face communication is always the best form of communication. So last week, as we were trying to set up the situation for Hebrews, we talked about this crisis of faith in the church there in Rome amongst these Hebrews. And they were really wrestling. Can I trust the promises of God? Perhaps I should return to my old religion, the ways of Judaism, the security, the tradition that that brought along with it. Have I put my faith in the wrong object? Did I make a mistake in following this Jesus? And so what we see at the very beginning of the preacher's sermon to these people 
is this call, this reminder that God is communicating. Our, our faith must always have content, and content requires communication. And it's a question that we ask uh, in, in our society all the time. Has God really communicated enough? Has he communicated enough for us to trust in him? And so we find the Hebrew church in Rome waist deep in this crisis. A crisis that I believe was created by a miscommunication. Now this miscommunication may or may not have been the fault of the church leaders communicating the gospel in a a wrong way. Perhaps it was never communicated properly. Maybe it was communicated properly but forgotten. Or maybe it was just misunderstood when it's communicated. So miscommunication can happen in a lot of ways. But clearly, the crisis was related around this miscommunication. And any time in our lives, whether it's then or it's now, when there's miscommunication in our midst, here's what happens. Discontentment, despair, disillusionment, anger, bitterness, it all equals crisis. Now, the small little house church probably had people at different stages of crisis, different stages of miscommunication. Perhaps some had forgotten, like I said. Perhaps some misunderstood when it was originally taught. And perhaps there were some in the room who got to the room without ever actually hearing a clear communication of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I can guarantee you, in this room right now, There are people at every stage. You've heard clear communication, but you've forgotten. You've heard it clearly presented, but you misunderstood. Or maybe for some other reason, you've ended up in this room right now, and you've never heard a clear communication of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I hope by the end of tonight, the third category is gone. But there's plenty of stages in this room of crisis and miscommunication. So let's try to get clear. Let's try to better understand the communication that I believe God has already given to us. Because the only thing that clears up the crisis of miscommunication is clear communication. If you're married, if you ever want to be married, the only thing that clears up miscommunication is actually communicating. You ever heard what they say, don't ever go to, bad, go to bed angry? Well, I've gone to bed angry. You know what? It doesn't go away overnight. It doesn't just magically disappear. The only thing to clear up the crisis caused by miscommunication is clear communication. So read the text with me, starting Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. It says this, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke. Let me stop right there. God is not silent. I know I've felt this, and I I bet many of us are feeling this in the room today. Where is God in my crisis? Why is he not speaking to me? Hebrews reminds us, God spoke. And he continues to speak. God is not some idea, some abstract concept to be 
considered. He is a person and he speaks and he's active in the world right now. God spoke. Now look at these two phrases as well. Many times and many ways. Many times and many ways. God's been speaking from the beginning. He spoke the world into existence. And he's continued to speak to the people whom he's created. He's continued to communicate to them. We have this book in front of us, the Bible, because God has spoken. Who has he spoken to? Look at the second half of verse 1. To our fathers by the prophets. So the Old Testament, what we have is the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament is full of the prophets. The New Testament written by the apostles, those who walked with or had close association with those who walked with Jesus personally. And so we have this book, this communication from God, 40 different authors, 66 books over the course of 1,500 years, and there's diversity and unity. God has spoken at many times. He is not silent, even when it feels like he is. Many ways. Out of love, God wants to communicate to us in ways that we can understand. So here's the great thing. Now, here's uh, the great thing, but also uh, the tragedy. The tragedy is what happens lots of times is there's two kinds of people, generally two kinds of people. There's kind of your type A uh, people, dot the I, cross the T. And then you have more of your artistic types of people. They're like, uh, is it really a T? I think the T is an I. And they don't want to deal in this sort of clear cut. Now here's the deal. God loves them both. He's created them both. And rather, what normally happens is, uh, you know, all the kind of dot the T, cross the I people, they all kind of congregate together. And then all the artistic people congregate together uh, in a church. It shouldn't be that way. We shouldn't be saying, now this is the right way to worship it, or no, this is the right way to worship. No, what we should do is worship together. And so what we see, as we see the many times and the many ways God has communicated to us, we see that he understands this. And so you have an account like Genesis, which is very simple. You could teach it to a four-year-old. God created, and here's how he created, and this is what he did. And then it goes right on into the patriarchs and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And it's very sort of linear and understandable. This is for these uh, type A folks. But then you know what you find? You find the songs of Psalms. The beautiful poetry as people bleed their heart onto the page, as they cry out to God, as they sing his praise, as they yell at him in anger and frustration. And it's beautiful. And on and on, and you have the prophets and the mystery of Ezekiel and Daniel. You have all these things. And all of them paint a picture because God has spoken at many times in many ways to many people in the ways that they might understand. So we all can learn in other ways because God speaks. And it's a beautiful picture. And it all paints one clear picture of who God is. Who God is. But now, let me take a a brief second and and, and come back to this existential rub that we have, this feeling that we have. We say, yes, I get that he's spoken in the past in many times, in many ways, but why does it seem like he's hiding from me? 
If you've, if, you've, if you've never felt that, then maybe you've never felt the closeness of God. Because many times it feels like God is hiding from me, that he's not speaking, that he's silent in my pain and my struggle. Why is he like that? This is a plight of many of us today. Well, if we trust what the Bible has to say, there might be an alternate explanation If you go back to the very beginning, to the Garden of Eden, when communication between God and man was perfect, and then it was broken, you'll see what's happened. If you recall, if you remember the story, um, Adam and Eve have perfect communication with God, and, and God has given them some very specific communication about which trees to eat from and which to not, and Adam and Eve decide that they don't want to trust the communication of God. So they do what seems right in their own eyes and they eat of this tree that they should not eat. And it says that their eyes are opened and they see their nakedness. They hide from one another and then you know what they do? They try to hide from God. They realized their sin, they realized their rebellion, and it leads them to hide. They have purposefully chosen to break one line of communication, and it's affected all lines of communication. Now, what does God do? He realizes that they've sinned against him, but he seeks them out. He finds them. And he seeks in that moment to reestablish communication that they had broken. The man-made hurdle that they had, had put in the place of good communication. Now here's the deal. That's what our first parents did. The question is, are we any different? Or do we hide from God? And if we still hide from God in the way that we've always hidden from God, what do you think our default position towards God is? One of open and clear conversation, communication? Or is our default position hiding, cowering from God? I think that we're hiding from Him. And so we think, why is God hiding from us? But I wonder if we're just hiding from him. And the reason that I wonder this is because so often in our lives, there's things that we become very, very good at that we no longer realize that we're doing because it's so second nature to us. Do you have any habits that you just do and you don't even realize that you do them until somebody points it out? I didn't even know I was doing that. I can't believe that I was chewing on my nails. Chris Early. Sorry, brother. I I thought I saw you back there. Do you have any sayings or idioms that you say all the time and you don't even realize that you're saying them anymore? What if for thousands and thousands and thousands of years human beings have been hiding from God And we come to this moment in time and we have no idea we're doing it. Because those things that we don't think we're doing, what do we say when someone says, you know what you're doing, right? 
I'm not doing that. Or in communication, this, this is something that I've had to struggle, I mean, this is like marriage counseling. This is something I've struggled with in my marriage. And it came out during premarital counseling. I grew up, and the way I communicated with my family was really argumentation. I loved to argue. In fact, it was fun for me. Me and my older sister, Kim, used to love to argue. I knew exactly the buttons to push. She would push right back. I would always win. But the thing about it was, I loved to argue. And then I got into marriage with a woman who was not my sister. She was not from my family. And you know what it seemed like I was doing to her? Not communicating, arguing. But you know what I would say when she would call me out and say, stop arguing? I'd say, I'm not arguing. She'd say, yeah, you are. You're clearly arguing. No, I'm not. I'm just being me. Because what I am, to me, doesn't seem like a problem because it's second nature. Because I've been doing it for so long. And so we have this existential rub. We think God is silent. He's hiding from us. What if, in fact, we are still hiding from him? What if we've forgotten what it looks like to not hide from God? And the only way out of that problem is to do some work, to get some clear communication, to be honest with ourselves, to ask somebody to point out in ourselves maybe something that we don't see. This is hard stuff. What if we're hiding from God? Even though we say we're not. What if we don't even realize that we're still doing it? What if being ourself is by nature blocking God from communicating? The scary stuff. We need to get real about our problem, about who we are, and ask God to teach us how to come out of that and to stop hiding. So in many times, in many ways, God has spoken to our fathers by the prophets. But in the last days, he has spoken to us by his son. By his son. Now a couple of points here to understand what the preacher is saying What does he mean by last days? What does he mean by last days? Seems like these last days are pretty long, right? It's been 2,000 years. These are long last days. What he's doing is actually separating time in half. We have time before Christ came and time after Christ came. And the reason that he's splitting it in half is he's saying there was a way that God communicated before Christ... And there is now a way that he has communicated after Christ. And the way that he has, and that's the last days, in this time he's communicated by the Son. By the Son. Now, what does by the Son, by his Son mean? Well, by is not the same word as through. So the words of Jesus that he taught, that he preached, are important. But that is not actually what this passage is saying. By the Son means something actually different than just through the words of Jesus. By the Son means that literally the communication in these last days is in the person of Jesus. 
Jesus is the message. The message is not what Jesus says, although that's important, but he himself is the message that God has spoken. He has spoken by the Son. Jesus is the revelation of God. God speaks in Jesus. Jesus' very mission is part of the message given to us in these last days. And moreover, Jesus is the supreme communication of God. All other communication now is filtered through the communication of Jesus. Why? Because he is the Son. He is not merely a prophet or merely a teacher or merely a sage. He is the Son of God, which is God himself. How do we know that? Look at the second half of verse 2. It says, But in the last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. Verse 3, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. This Jesus is not some ordinary cat. He, he is the one whom is appointed heir of all things. Meaning Jesus is the rightful owner of all things. And that word all means all. Through whom he's created the world. Jesus was present with God the Father as a part of the triune Godhead at the creation of the world. Literally, uh, in Colossians it said he spoke the word into being. That's Jesus. It says Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God. And here is the idea of, of, of uh, the rays of light coming off of, uh, for instance, the sun. Jesus is like the rays of light coming from the Father. And so when we see Jesus, we see actually the visible, uh, visual uh, representation of God himself. Jesus is the one whom we have seen. We do not see the Father, we see Jesus, the radiance of his glory. It says he is the imprint of his nature. And the idea here is he's like a facsimile This is literally what the word means, a facsimile or a stamp. Now, most of you don't even know what a fax machine is, but a fax machine was that thing. You slide a piece of paper in there. It would somehow scan. I don't know if there's like, uh, you know, little people in there. They would draw it out. And then, you know what would happen? Some ways away, that same image would come out the other side exactly as it was put in. That's what it says Jesus is. He is the imprint of the very nature of God. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Christ is supremely powerful. He literally upholds the universe. And if he stopped, it would all fall apart. So why is Jesus the perfect, final, supreme communication from God? Because he is all the things of God. His nature, his power, his character, his presence in what? In a form that we can understand. Jesus comes to us in a form that we can understand. Because he's fully God, but he's fully human. This is very important to understand. This is why the communication of Jesus is complete and full. And it is now the last days because we have the superior communication from God. But I left a verse out, right? It's not just that Jesus was the imprint of God 
It's also about what Jesus came to do. That is part of the message, the part of the communication. Because it's Jesus' power, his nature, his goodness, but it's also his death and his resurrection. So look at verse, the second half of verse 3. After making purifications for, purification for our sins, he sat down at the right hand of, uh, of the majesty on high, that's the right hand of God, having become much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Making purification for our sins, he sat down. Here's that other dirty word, sin. We don't like to talk about sin much. It's not very popular to talk about sin in our culture, but here's the deal. Sin is a reality. In fact, you start to look kind of foolish when you start to argue against the reality of sin. You have to deny things like the evil of 9-11. You have to deny certain tragedies that you see on TV. You have to say, no, there's no sin. And I've found that most people... Uh, when you slap them and steal their wallet, they tend to think sin exists. I'm in counseling for that. But the thing about it is, sin is a reality, and we can't get around it. No matter how much we want to pretend that sin is not real, it's real. And here's the deal. It plagues each and every one of us. And the church has, uh, for a long time, gotten off on this fact that, you know, Uh, you over there are the sinners and we're good, right? So we love the analogy of the cross of Christ and uh, the need to come down and bow before the Christ. But you know what? Instead of bowing, we like to lean up against the cross and say, yeah, there's room over here for you guys as we pretend we don't have it. When in fact, what we should do is be down on our knees, bowing before the cross, asking forgiveness and saying, yes, there's room at the foot of the cross. Because sin is a reality for every single human being, and we must start admitting it. And really, sin is rooted in miscommunication. So our failure to hear from God and believe what he said breeds in us three things. One, distrust. All sin is rooted fundamentally in a distrust of God. We don't trust him. We don't trust what he tells us. We don't believe that God loves us, that he has the best for us in mind. We don't believe uh, that he wants nothing more than to deliver us to the best possible future. We distrust. And distrust comes from failed communication. And distrust is the root of sin. So when we distrust God, what do we do? We decide we can do it our own way. And so rather than following his path, his commands, the way he's shown us, the way the world works, you know what we do? We make our own path. We chop through the jungle of life with a machete because we don't trust his way. We want to do it our way. And it begins because we don't hear the message of God clearly. Sin is not... Do I drink? Do I not drink beer? It's, it's fundamentally rooted in the distrust of God and deciding to do things our own way. The second thing that failed communication always breeds in us is lopsided views. Now these things are true of how it works with God and how it works with our wife or whoever we want to communicate with. 
Miscommunication, failed communication leads to lopsided views. And so this happens in the church as well, right? We have these sort of one-sided views of God. If you were living in the 18th century in a Puritan church, you would have heard a lot about the anger of God towards sin. I mean, these guys talked at length about anger and rage of God towards sin. I mean, you read these guys and you just want to give them a hug, man. You're like, glad I didn't go to church back then. I mean, it was a lot of fire and brimstone. But you know what? In the 20th century, the pendulum has swung all the way back. And what do we always talk about? The love of God. God loves you so much. Now, here's the deal. Both are true. In fact, what we see when we hear the clear communication of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that Jesus sits right in that excluded middle. What we see when we see the gospel clearly is that the cross of Christ, right there at the foot of the cross, we see the rage of God towards sin. Poured out on who? On himself, his son, Jesus Christ, the loving mercy of God. And so you have both the rage and the love of God. But when we fail to hear the communication of God, we tend towards these lopsided views. The third thing that happens when we have bad communication is we tend to miss the main idea. Now these Jewish Christians whom this book was written to, um, they had missed the main idea, the big idea. And when we miss the big idea, there's always this human propensity to go back and turn life with God into this religious facade. This is always the tendency, and they were doing this. Let's just go back to our Judaism, back to our rituals, back to our religion. Do this and don't do that. Routine and ritual. Working to please God because we've missed the main point. You ever find yourself doing this? Do you ever find yourself in this vicious cycle of New Year's resolutions and then you're so angry at yourself because you failed at making yourself better? Do you believe that God only loves some future version of yourself and until you get to that place, until then, you won't experience the full love of God? Do you feel tired and weary? Is your soul withered from all the failed attempts at making yourself worthy of God. It's our natural propensity to put on this religious facade. And it's because we've missed the main point of God's communication. What is the main point of God's communication to us in Jesus? It's not the Sermon on the Mount. It's the person and work of Jesus. And what did he do? Sin is not just a reality. The good news about sin is that Jesus dealt with it on the cross. And what did he do? Back to our text. After making purification for our sins, he sat down. He sat down. Why did he sit down? He sat down because it was finished. Purification purification for your sin is a finished work of Christ on the cross. Are you hearing me? Flip with me to uh, Hebrews chapter 10. 
Flip with me, flip with me. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14 says this. For by a single offering, that's Jesus. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. A single offering. We don't go back and make offering again and again and again. He has done it. It is over. He has made purification for our sins. Our past, present, and future sin. You say, how could something that happened that long ago make purification for my sin now? I don't know exactly how this currency works, but it's said and it's true and I believe it because I feel it. My sins are taken care of. That's the main point of the gospel. That's why Jesus has communicated in his person and his work on the cross and the resurrection the only communication we need to be restored in relationship with God. This is incredible news. This is incredible news. This is why it's the final, perfect, full communication of God. It's what we need to know. It's the thing that changes everything. So the gospel in this text goes something like this. It sounds a little bit like this. God knows that our sin has created a communication problem. A communication problem between us and him. And he realizes that this communication problem causes in our life a crisis of faith. A crisis of faith that leads us to trust everything else except for him. The only object of our faith. The only object our faith was ever meant to have. But rather than give up on us, out of love for us, a love we can hardly even fathom, God went to the greatest lengths to make sure that his grace was heard Loud and clear. He sent his son, God in the flesh, to live amongst us, to die in our place, to taste death on our behalf. And his death communicates his love and mercy and anger towards sin. And his resurrection three days later communicates his power over every foe His power to restore any lost connection. Now our sinful choices no longer mean that communication with God is impossible. If we accept his offer by faith, the phone bill has been paid in full. Forever. That's the gospel. That's what God is communicating to us through Jesus Christ, his son. So are you experiencing a crisis of faith today? Do you find yourself distrusting God? Do you feel your views of God might be lopsided? Have you missed the main point? Is it leading to despair or discontentment or disillusionment, bitterness, anger, frustration towards God? Do you find yourself there? Well, know this, God is not a God of chaos or confusion 
or crisis, he's a God of rest and peace and clarity, and God is trying to communicate something to you. He's trying to communicate. Even if it doesn't feel like he is, he's trying to communicate something to you. And his communication is an act of love. Communication is always an act of love. Communication that never stops is always an act of love. My grandmother, bless her heart, I love her to death. She's my only living grandparent. She is deaf. She cannot hear a thing. Now, she has some, uh, some hearing aids, but they don't work very well. Now, my mother is also losing her hearing. Every single one of my aunts on her side, I also might be losing my hearing. But when you get these birds together, man, <laughs> it is birds of a feather flock together. Now, the thing is, it is loud. I mean, you hear my mom and my grandma on the phone. It's, uh, it's like you're on the you know, floor of the New York Stock Exchange. It is so loud. There's just yelling, and you're, you're thinking something is happening. No, they're just talking about the weather. But I love my grandmother so much, and I love my mother. So even when she's hard of hearing, I find a way to communicate her because I love her so. And even when God, knowing that we are hard of hearing, he doesn't stop trying to find a way to communicate with us. Trying to find a way. His love propels him. Even now, in the midst of your crisis, he is trying. He is trying to find a clear signal that you might hear his message. So, how might I participate with God? How might I participate with God to make this communication easier? There's a couple things I think we learned from this passage. One, we have to zoom out in the midst of the crisis. Look at the constant messages of God throughout time. He's been speaking in many ways, at many times, through the prophets and now through his son, and his message has been constant. What is that message through the millennia? What has God been speaking? What has he been telling me? Because it's no different than what he's telling you right now. We have to learn to zoom out. A second thing, we must apply the filter of Jesus. Jesus becomes the filter to all communication that helps us understand what God is trying to say to us. We must filter it through Jesus. We must put on the lenses of the person and work of Jesus, the cross and the resurrection. Everything filters through Jesus. So if you don't know much about Jesus, here's where I'd tell you to start. Take one of these Bibles if you don't own a Bible. Look it up on your phone. Just start reading through the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Read through the Gospels. Get to know Jesus. Every communication from God filters through him. Third, turn it down. We wonder why we can't hear from God. Did we ever think we needed to change something about the noise that we've created around us? Turn it down. If I want to talk to my grandmother, I have to turn off the radio. I've got to turn it down if I really want to hear from God. Clear the distractions. Turn down the music. Get in a place where you are in the best position to hear from God. Whether that's through prayer, through reading scripture, even in a worship gathering like this. Do what you need to do to focus in and hear from God. Now finally I'll say this. 
If you are longing, if you're in crisis and you want to get clear about who Jesus is, no matter where you're at on the stage, no matter how deep your crisis is, if you want to get help communicating, hearing the clear message of God, that's one of the reasons that I am here and I exist. I want to help you. Reach out to me. Email me. Let's get together and talk. Now, if the idea of getting together with me sounds painful, and to some it does, including my wife, now the thing about it is there are many other people who are willing to get together with you and talk and help you get clear about who Jesus is. No matter where you're at, whether you've known him for a long time or you're just now considering him for the first time, people, community, family exists to help us get clear, to get our communication right again. That's it, my friends. God is communicating to us. God has spoken. May we be a people who learns to hear. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for this place and this time and this word. We thank you that when we look back on history, even 2,000 years ago, we see people that are just like us in crisis, having a crisis of faith, wondering, is following Jesus really worth it? Is listening to him, is pursuing him really worth it? Is sacrificing him and obeying because of him, is it really worth it? Help us to get clear. Help us to hear your clear communication through your son, Jesus Christ. Help us to hear that out of love you have come to purify us from our sins that it's the blood of Jesus, that it's nothing but the blood of Jesus that can fix broken communication. Help us to hear that. Help us, Lord, in these next few songs to hear your voice, to feel your presence, to know that you are not silent, but that you are alive and active and speaking in our lives. Help us to learn to hear your voice. We pray this all because of what Jesus has done. Amen.